0: chapter 23 of ancient tales and folklore of japan this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org ancient tales and folklore of japan by richard gordon smith the diving woman of oiso bay oiso in the province of sagami has become such a celebrated place as the chosen residence of the Marquis Ito, and of several other high Japanese personages, that a story of a somewhat romantic nature dating back to the Ninan period may be interesting. During one of the earliest years of the period, which lasted from 1116 to 1169 A.D., a certain knight, whose name was Takadaijiro, became ill, in the town of Kamakura, where he had been on duty, and was advised to spend the hot month of August at Oiso, and there to give himself perfect rest, peace, and quietness. Having obtained permission to do this, Takadai Jiro lost no time in getting to the place and settling himself down, as comfortably as was possible, in a small inn which faced the sea. Being a landsman, who, with the exception of his service at Kamakura, had hardly ever seen the sea, Takadai was pleased to dwell in gazing at it, both by day and by night, for, like most Japanese of high birth, he was poetical and romantic. After his arrival at Oiso, Takadai felt weary and dusty. As soon as he had secured his rooms, he threw off his clothes and went down to bathe. Takadai, whose age was about twenty-five years, was a good swimmer, and plunged into the sea without fear, going out for nearly half a mile. There, however, misfortune overtook him. He was seized with a violent cramp, and began to sink. A fishing-boat, sculled by a man and containing a diving-girl, happened to see him and went to the rescue, but by this time he had lost consciousness and had sunk for the third time the girl jumped overboard and swam to the spot where he had disappeared and having dived deep brought him to the surface holding him there until the boat came up when by the united efforts of herself and her father takadai was hauled on board but not before he had realized that the soft arm that clung round his neck was that of a woman when he was thoroughly conscious again before they had reached the shore Takadai saw that his preserver was a beautiful ama, diving girl, aged not more than seventeen. Such beauty he had never seen before, not even in the higher circles in which he was accustomed to move. Takadai was in love with his brave saviour before the boat had grounded on the pebbly beach determined in some way to repay the kindness he had received Takadai helped to haul their boat up the steep beach and then to carry their fish and nets to their little thatched cottage where he thanked the girl for her noble and gallant act in saving him and congratulated her father on the possession of such a daughter having done this he returned to the inn which was not more than a few hundred yards away from that time on the soul of Takadai knew no peace. Love of the maddest kind was on him. There was no sleep for him at night, for he saw nothing but the face of the beautiful diving-girl whose name, he had ascertained, was Kinu. Try as he might, he could not for a moment put her out of his mind. In the daytime it was worse, for Okino was not to be seen, being out at sea with her father diving for the haliotus shells and others and it was generally the dusk of evening before she returned and then in the dim light he could not see her once indeed takadai tried to speak to okino but she would have nothing to say to him and continued busying herself in assisting her father to carry the nets and fish up to their cottage this made takadai far worse and he went home wild mad and more in love than ever at last his love grew so great that he could endure it no longer he felt that at all events it would be a relief to declare it so he took his most confidential servant into the secret and dispatched him with a letter to the fisherman's cottage okinu san did not even write an answer but told the old servant to thank his master, in her behalf, for his letter, and his proposal of marriage. "'Tell him also,' said she, "'that no good can come of a union between one of so high a birth as he and one so lowly as I. Such a badly matched pair could never make a happy home.' In answer to the servant's expostulation, she merely added, "'I have told you what to tell your master.' Take him the message. Takadai Jiro, on hearing what Okinu had said, was not angry. He was simply astonished. It was beyond his belief that a fisher girl could refuse such an offer in marriage as himself, a samurai of the upper class. Indeed, instead of being angry, Takadai was so startled as to be rather pleased than otherwise for he thought that perhaps he had taken the fair Okino san a little too suddenly and that this first refusal was only a bit of coyness on her part that was not to be wondered at i will wait a day or two thought takadai now that kinu knows of my love she may think of me and so become anxious to see me i will keep out of the way perhaps then she will be as anxious to see me as i am to see her Takadai kept to his own room for the next three days, believing in his heart that Okinu must be pining for him. On the evening of the fourth day he wrote another letter to Okinu, more full of love than the first, dispatched his old servant, and waited patiently for the answer. When Okinu was handed the letter, she laughed and said, "'Truly, old man, you appear to me very funny.' Bringing me letters this is the second in four days and never until four days ago have i ever had a letter addressed to me in my life what is this one about i wonder saying this she tore it open and read and then turning to the servant continued it is difficult for me to understand if you gave my message to your master correctly he could not fail to know that i could not marry him his position in life is far too high is your master quite right in his head yes except for the love of you my young master is quite right in his head but since he has seen you he talks and thinks of nothing but you until even i have got quite tired of it and earnestly pray to kwannon daily that the weather may get cool so that we may return to our duties at kamakura for three full days I had to sit in the inn listening to my young master's poems about your beauty and his love, and I had hoped that every day would find us fishing from a boat for the sweet operami fish, which are now fat and good, as every other sensible person is doing. Yes, my master's head was right enough, but you have unsettled it, it seems. Oh, do marry him.' so that we shall all be happy and go out fishing every day and waste no more of this unusual holiday?" "'You are a selfish old man,' answered O'Kinu. "'Would you that I marry to satisfy your master's love and your desire for fishing? I have told you to tell your master that I will not marry him, because we could not, in our different ranks of life, become happy. Go and repeat that answer.' The servant implored once more, but Okinu remained firm, and finally he was obliged to deliver the unpleasant message to his master. Poor Takadai! This time he was distressed, for the girl had even refused to meet him. What was he to do? He wrote one more imploring letter, and also spoke to Okinu's father— but the father said sir my daughter is all i have to love in the world i cannot influence her in such a thing as her love moreover all our diving girls are strong in mind as well as in body for constant danger strengthens their nerves they are not like the weak farmers girls who can be influenced and even ordered to marry men they hate their minds are oftener than not stronger than those of us men I always did what Kino's mother told me I was to do, and could not influence Kino in such a thing as her marriage. I might give you my advice, and should do so, but, sir, in this case I must agree with my daughter that, great as the honor done to her, she would be unwise to marry one above her own station in life. Takadai's heart was broken. There was nothing more that he could say, and nothing more that he could do. Bowing low, he left the fisherman and retired forthwith to his room in the inn, which he never left, much to the consternation of his servant. Day by day he grew thinner, and as the day approached for his return from leave, Takadai was far more of an invalid than he had been on his arrival at Oiso. What was he to do? The sentiment of the old proverb that there are as good fish in the sea as ever came out of it did not in any way appeal to him he felt that life was no longer worth having he resolved to end it in the sea where his spirit might perhaps linger and catch sight occasionally of the beautiful diving-girl who had bewitched his heart takadai that evening wrote a last note to kino and as soon as all the villagers of oiso were asleep he arose and went to the cottage slipping the note under the door Then he went to the beach and after tying a large stone to a rope and to his neck he got into a boat and rowed himself about a hundred yards from shore where he took the stone in his arms and jumped overboard next morning okino was shocked to read in the note that jiro Takadai was to kill himself for love of her she rushed down to the beach, but could see only an empty fishing boat some three or four hundred yards from shore, to which she swam. There she found Takadai's tobacco-box and his juro, medicine-box. Okino thought that Takadai must have thrown himself into the sea somewhere hereabouts, so she began to dive, and it was not long before she found the body, which she brought to the surface after some trouble on account of the weight of the stone which the arms rigidly grasped okino took the body back to shore where she found takadai's old servant wringing his hands in grief the body was taken back to kamakura where it was buried okino was sufficiently touched to vow that she would never marry anyone true she had not loved takadai but he had loved and had died for her if she married his spirit would not rest in peace no sooner had okino mentally undertaken this generous course than a strange thing came to pass seagulls which were especially uncommon in the owiso bay began to swarm it they settled over the exact spot where takadai had drowned himself in stormy weather they hovered over it on the wing but they never went away from the place fishermen thought it extraordinary bakinu knew well enough that the spirit of takadai must have passed into the gulls and for it she prayed regularly at the temple and out of her small savings she built a little tomb sacred to the memory of takadaijiro By the time Kino was twenty years of age her beauty was celebrated, and many were the offers she had in marriage, but she refused them all, and kept her vow of celibacy. During her entire life the seagulls were always on the spot where Takadai had been drowned. She died by drowning in a severe typhoon some nine years later than Takadai, and from that day. The seagulls disappeared, showing that his spirit was now no longer in fear of Okino marrying. End of section twenty three.